This is the IDP After Show. Hello and welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm your host, Jeff Pumza. Tonight, we'll be discussing some tips, some strategies, and some ways to help you and possibly even your league make the transition to IDP. My guest tonight is Evan Ringler from Player Profiler. Evan, excited to have you here. Are you ready to talk a little IDP user's guide for us tonight? Let's do it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So tonight, Evan and I are going to kind of ping pong back and forth, looking at some of the ideas, some of the mistakes that maybe we made making the jump into IDP to hopefully help you avoid those same hiccups. So Evan, why don't you start us off tonight with your first idea? Yeah, so this is going off of like, if you want to move your league from offense only to IDP, here's some general kind of rules of thumb to follow. Uh, first of all, don't go too shallow. Um, a lot of people start off in IDP and they'll just add one or two IDP starters. And that kind of makes IDP useless in that league. So my advice would be to try and make it about equal to the number of offense starters so that the IDPs actually have some real va value. And then going off that uh, to make sure that the value is appropriate, you also want to have the scoring be relatively balanced between offense and defense. So if Josh Allen is scoring 25 points per game on offense, then you probably want TJ Watt to sco score around 25 points per game on defense. Uh, and that's just a general rule of thumb. And then also, you know, you also want to make sure that all the managers are on the same page and that everyone is open to rule changes after that first season. I couldn't agree more, Evan. Those are fantastic things, especially when you're making the jump as a league. Um, a lot of times when that league is making that transition to IDP, everyone's kind of green. And so you're, you're really kind of learning together. And so that last one about being open to rule changes and scoring format changes is a, a really big one. I think that teams often overlook. And sometimes that's the downfall when teams or leagues do make that jump to IDP is they get a kind of a sour taste in their mouth and they decide to go back to regular, just offense only. So awesome, awesome idea there. So now we're going to kind of get into some of the more individual managers, what they can do to kind of benefit and be ahead of the curve in their IDP leagues as their league make the transition to that. So we're going to kind of help you get ahead of that rookie learning curve. Probably the biggest important thing to learn is know your position eligibility. In in numerous leagues, regardless of the format, knowing the true position of your players is is crucial. And no more than that is looking at your defensive line, linebacker position eligibility. And guys like TJ Watt, like you mentioned before, you know, Josh Allen scoring 25 points a, Watt, a week. Uh, TJ Watt should be close to that um, as a dynamic player as he is. But with that, it's important to know, is he being scored as a defensive lineman or is he um, classified as a linebacker. And so that's really, really important to know. Um, it makes a huge difference, not only in your initial draft, but your weekly start sits as well. So you, you mentioned earlier about having deep leagues and don't go shallow. Um, you want, you don't want your waiver wires to be outscoring your lineups. And so part of knowing your eligibility is knowing how deep your league is as well. Are you playing in a, a 10 person league, a 12 person league or 16 person league? How many starters you have really makes the, the talent pool either really, really shallow or something that you can kind of avoid drafting and just play the waiver wire game each week. So knowing your, your depth is really important as well. Um, kind of with that said, having deeper leagues is more rewarding once you get really into the fundamentals of IDP because it's it it's, suits those players who put in the time, puts in the research and finds those those gems and the waiver wires. So 
Um, like you mentioned, playing playing in deeper leagues is by far way more fun and beneficial in the long run. Kind of going along with the scoring and knowing the eligibility pieces, what type of scoring do you have? Just like every other type of offensive category, there's PPR, there's standard leagues, there's touchdown heavy leagues, there's bonus leagues on the offensive side. The defensive side is endless as scoring as well. Um, we, we base a lot of our scoring on the big three scoring which is a very um, disruptive scoring league where we reward a lot of points for the defensive linemen, for pressures, for hits and stuff like that, which just like in the real NFL, those types of plays are very disruptive. So our fantasy should be rewarded as well. So big three scoring is a lot of what we base our things off of, but there's big play scoring, there's tackle heavy leagues. So knowing the scoring is, is really important too, as you set up your team and set up your draft. So, and then, like you mentioned, Evan, too, just knowing your scoring compared to the offensive side, knowing that a, a linebacker could be just as beneficial to your starting lineup as a, a stud running back every week, you know, really goes a long way in determining not only your draft, but your weekly start set. So, yeah, I actually think one interesting rule that I've played with a little bit is um, having a premium for D tackles, kind of like tight end premium. Um, I, I really like that because it makes the, the D tackles, you know, it gives them more value. So yeah, you can just play around with lots of different stuff. There's so many different options. Ellen, I'm going to follow up with a question here before you get into your next point here. So you mentioned defensive tackle premium. So if I were brand new to IDP, would you suggest the league jumps into uh, like true positions with defensive tackle, defensive ends, cornerbacks and safeties, linebackers, or do you feel like maybe maybe having the training wheels a little bit with starting with a defensive line position, uh, a safety position, and a linebacker position is maybe a better start? How do you feel about that? Well, I definitely have a preference towards the true position, uh, you know, D tackle versus D end. But I do, I do think that for beginners, um, just looking at D line versus linebacker, that could be um, – that could be a good way to get into it and make it a little simpler. But I think that the the superior way to play is, is true position, in my opinion. So maybe year two, year three, that's one of your rule changes then to make it true, <laughs> true, yeah, true scoring. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Uh, and then my next point is about having a plan for roster construction, and this is going to be different in every format in every league. But you want you want to. Just ha- you just need to come up with a plan and you don't want to waste roster spots, especially on the positions that you have elite players at. Um, so for an example, let's say I'm required to start two DNs every week. I generally don't want to be carrying more than five DNs on my roster because then I'm I'm wasting roster spots. I'm wasting value because those those DNs are never going to get into my lineup. So uh, if you have like six or seven, you might want to consider liquidating for draft picks or just flat out cutting them. Um, so yeah, when you jump into a new league, you need to come up with a plan for how many roster spots do you want to spend on each position? Um, and also how do you want to spend value at each position? Do you want to, do you want to fade DBs? Do you want to invest in DBs like Kyle Hamilton? Maybe you go after some elite ones. Um, you just want to have a plan. And, and Evan, to kind of follow up with your plan, do you go into a draft having like, I want to walk away with a certain number of each position? Do you let the draft come to you? How, how, what's, what's a good approach for someone who's kind of going into this for the first time? I think you have to be flexible. Um, 
for example, if you if you invest in an elite player at a certain position, maybe you don't have to take as many later in the draft. But also, this is um, more focused on going into the season. What do you want your roster to look like? In the offseason, you can afford to not be in perfect roster construction all the time. And you can try to use that to, you know, if you're in a startup draft, you could, if someone fell way past their ADP, then you could take them regardless of position and try to trade them later. I think that's a great point, what you brought up about ADP. If you if you get in in the expert's eyes of someone who is an elite talent, if you get them early enough, you know, they're always going to be in your starting lineup every week. You know, it's, it'd be kind of like drafting like a CD lamb. If, if you draft a CD lamb, you know, he's in your week every he's in your lineup 17 weeks out of the season where you're not going to have to like worry about, oh, I need some depth at wide receiver because I'm going to need I'm going to need to possibly replace CD lamb. There's no way CD Lamb's coming out of your lineup, regardless of the matchup. Same thing can be said on the defensive side. You know, you you get some of those elite talents, especially like a Max Crosby, uh, a TJ Watt. They're never coming out of your lineup at the defensive line position, and those are premium guys. So you might be able to punt. You know, like you said, on that position later on, you don't have to carry as many. Maybe you're only carrying three or four because outside of a bye week, they're not they're they're playing for you. So yeah, and it also depends on how deep your league is too. Like I have some leagues that are 53 roster spots and you can, you can afford to waste some of them because the waivers are so bad. Um, But if it's only 40 roster spots, that's a big difference and the waivers will be much better. So in that case, you wouldn't want to waste any roster spots. Well, you set me up perfectly for this next part about the waiver wire. So one of the things, just like any regular traditional offensive draft, is you have to be more than just the initial draft. The draft is only the first part of your season. You have to really grind the waiver wire week in and week out. And when I write my weekly waiver wire articles for the IDP show, it's more about maybe not helping your team, but it's blocking someone else from getting one of these players as well. And so you kind of have to play defense on the waiver wires, maybe by blocking your opponent from maybe getting this, this player as well. So it's it's a constant weekly grind to find these players, not only for your roster, but maybe to block them from someone else's. So when you're looking, especially in a dynasty league, you're looking at not only your starters for this week, but you're looking for that guy that's a, an injury away from becoming the next big thing. So you're always kind of having that eye on the prize. With all IDP, there is such a huge, huge turnover from year to year. And so it's really important that you don't chase points or you don't chase last season's points. Don't chase this last week's points, but you're also kind of being proactive, especially with looking ahead to your roster construction, like you mentioned earlier, too. So um, there's a ton of great resources out there. Um, The IDP show has the draft kit, which is a a great tool for that initial draft. But then there's also weekly waiver wire articles. There are start sit articles that are just great resources to go. Um, whether your format is a podcast, whether it's a YouTube video or a, a written article, there really is a format out there for everyone. So it is a, it is a, a weekly a weekly chore, but it's an enjoyable chore. Yeah, yeah. In, in these deep dynasty leagues too, um, you know, ob- oftentimes it's impossible to find a running back or a receiver on the waiver wire that you can actually play. But for the IDP side, it's it's very possible to find a Nate Landman or an Alandon Roberts or someone like that that's just sitting out there um, and ready to give you solid weeks uh, in the second half of the season. So now um, I'm going to go into how you shouldn't overinvest in middling IDP assets. 
Now, I'm all for trading a considerable value for locked in elite IDPs, especially the D linemen um, and maybe a couple linebackers like Roquan and Foyer. But most other IDPs, you don't want to overinvest. Uh, generally, IDPs just come with more risk of losing value. And this can come through scheme changes, injuries, or just flat out losing their job. For example, uh, before Debo Samuel's crazy 2021 season, I actually traded him away for Isaiah Simmons and Tremaine Edmonds, two super young linebackers that I thought had a lot of upside, um, but they both lost a lot of value quickly. And I ended up just flipping each of them for uh, a, a second and a third, I believe, versus having Debo. Uh, that I think that was his like wide receiver one or wide receiver two overall season. So, uh, well, yeah, just don't overinvest in these middling IDPs, especially in offense defense trades. Those can be very dangerous for new IDP managers. And I'm glad you brought up the idea of trading too, because trading when you add in the defensive part of it, it, it literally doubles. The amount of deals that can possibly be done you know in traditional offensive leagues we're kind of locked in we get our guys we're, we're we're not making too many moves but when you add in that defensive side and you're adding three or four more positions to start every week it just opens up so many more possibilities for deals to happen i know in my leagues the idp leagues are way more active than the just traditional offensive side so if you're if you're someone who likes to trade you know this is definitely opens up a new avenue for you especially with players trying to like get startable players and if you're active on the waiver wire you're finding that waiver wire guy a week or two ahead of time before he really breaks out and then all of a sudden he becomes a key asset that other managers are really looking to acquire and then you have a, a piece like hey we're i'll throw in you know my defensive back along with a wide receiver two for an upgrade at the wide receiver one spot and then that's that's just smart fantasy football and yeah. along with it oh, sorry go ahead yeah i think uh, you should always be willing to sell your idps um maybe not necessarily the elite guys like you know the max crosby's but you should always be willing to sell those second tier and below people um they're it's just very hard to predict what they're going to be doing on a year to year basis. So you should always be open to offers for those guys. And, and one thing to kind of go along with that being willing to trade is on the offensive side, we have five players on that offensive side that have no trade value, the offensive linemen. So we're looking at wide receivers, running backs and quarterbacks on the defensive side, literally every single one of those 11 players on defense is a viable fantasy option for you. Um, you know, with many teams running uh, defensive line rotation with four or five guys, each of those guys becomes a, a viable option for you. With secondaries becoming four and five man schemes, there's literally like four or five defensive backs every week on each team who can be uh, important to your to your lineup. And you throw in the fact that maybe some some of those players get return yardage in those kind of leagues. Those players become, you know, like wild cards and kind of like uh, cheat codes in a way. Uh, one thing yeah. that I've been kind of looking at is the, like you had mentioned, you had said like the turnover from year to year. In 2022, of the top 12 defensive linemen, only three of them returned the next season to be a top 12 in 2023. So we're looking at Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, and Miles Garrett were the only three players that had back-to-back -to -back top 12 seasons at the defensive end position. So you're looking at 75% of your first-round players didn't return first-round value or first top-tier value. Um, same kind of thing can be said for the linebackers. Oya Luakon, um, 
Zaire Franklin and TJ Edwards were the only three linebackers that repeat top 12 players. And there was only one defensive back that was in the top 12 both seasons. And that was Derwin James. And he didn't, and he was the number 10 in both years. So there's such a huge turnover from year to year. And it's so important, like you said, Evan, not to get locked into these guys and not make them like they can't become permanent fixtures on your team. They just, you have to turn them over. And this is how you play the waiver wire game. You, you read the IDP draft kit before the season starts and they have their fades, breakouts and sleepers. And you get ahead on a guy like a, you know, um, Robert Spillane, who no one saw coming um, in this time last year. But during the June, July, August camps, he started games in steam. He was going off uh, draft boards as like linebacker 46, 48. He finished the season as a top 10 linebacker last season. And you could have had him for nothing, you know, if you were playing the waiver wire game. And so that's just smart IDP. You know, you buy, buy low, sell high. And but yep. I'm, you know that. So. For sure. <laughs> um, kind of going along with this, like don't overinvesting piece of it is knowing the difference in what stats matter. And there's a lot of stats that appear important in IDP. There's a lot of stats that appear important in offensive um, fantasy football, but there are some stats that not to chase. And especially that's at the defensive back position. Um, the defensive back position, not only are you starting four or five guys per team every week in the secondary on these teams, but there's there's such a violent return every single week because they play at a position where they might not be targeted every week as heavily. And then, you know, like Ronald Bland is a great example of this. You know, he had an awesome breakout season. No one saw this coming. He set the NFL record with pick sixes. And but how likely is that to return in 2024 season, 2024, 2025 season? Probably not. He had a teammate that was a, a top target last year in Trayvon Diggs, he, he didn't even repeat as a top 24. Granted, he had an injury, but, you know, those are kind of the things that like Ronald Bland is definitely named to sell. Um, you know, you kind of think about this, like Sauce Gardner is a hot name because he's, he's a great player, a great true NFL player, but not as much in fantasy. DJ Reader, or sorry, DJ Reed plays opposite of Sauce Gardner and the Jets defense. He's probably your better option because he's going to get peppered with targets. He's going to have those chances for tackles. He's going to have those chances for passes defended and maybe an occasional INT. So as a IDP manager, you have to kind of separate yourself from a fan of individual players and maybe look at those stats that are maybe more important. Who's getting the volume? Um, who's getting the the who's not coming off the field on third down, you know, Mike Wollard is a huge guy of the green dot, you know, who's wearing that green dot, who's calling the plays for the defense. Those are the, those are the players to kind of follow. Those are the stats really to chase. So last part of that too, is pressures versus sacks. Um, I know that uh, Tom Clisenberry talks a lot about sacks are such an anomaly stat that like you can trip into a sack or like accidentally get sacks, but the pressures are really where it's at. Whereas you have players that are um, maybe not finishing plays, but they're being very consistent with win rate. They're very consistent with getting pressures on the quarterback. Eventually, those pressures are going to turn into sacks. So, yeah, the stat sheet for week 16 said that player X had two sacks, which is great for like the stats. But the player right next to him, player Y, had seven pressures. Well, I'm going to probably take that guy who had seven pressures because there's more likelihood that one of those seven pressures the following week is going to turn into a sack where that player might have tripped over himself and got two sacks that in week 16. So again, there's a lot of like nuances to all of that stuff. And uh, 
it's for all those math geeks out there, this is kind of a, a fun thing to dive into. So, yeah, yeah, I especially agree with the um, the part about cornerbacks is just always sell your cornerbacks. If anyone wants them, get rid of them. Um, and I think that kind of uh, goes back into the scoring too. I like having the corners that return kicks, like uh, Keyshawn Nixon this year. He was a great option um, for cornerback required leagues, especially because he he actually had consistent value every week as opposed to the guys like Deron Bland, where you're just hoping for a touchdown. Um, so now I want to talk about dynasty timing. So generally, I want to sell my fringe IDP assets in January and February this time of year. Um, for example, you know, we just talked about it. These guys often lose value and it's very hard to predict them from year to year. So as an example, Nate Landman, he was a very valuable IDP this season, but now he's a free agent and there's no guarantee that he'll get a starting job next year. If you could sell him for, say, a third round pick right now, then you could use that third round pick to go buy the next Nate Landman next season because it's unlikely that he's going to repeat. Um, and then you also just need to watch the free agent moves and, and the signings. I generally don't like to hold players through free agency if I have to. Um, I would love to liquidate these players for picks. And then once I know more, I can invest those picks into players again. Um, you know, for, for example, maybe you want to target a guy like Bryce Huff, who looked amazing in the pressure department, which you were just talking about. Um, and now he's a free agent. He get, maybe he lands in a super great spot. So yeah, basically uh, the general rule is that you want to, in the off season, you want to trim down your IDP side and add more offensive pieces or draft picks. So then you can buy back into these similar priced players in the season so you know what you're getting so evan you kind of mentioned like draft picks and things like that so if you are in a startup draft with offensive and defensive pieces and let's say we're playing a 53-man roster we're starting an equal amount of offensive players we're starting an equal amount of defensive players pretty balanced scoring um we're gonna go we have training wheels on so we're gonna go just straight defensive line linebackers and secondary pieces no defensive tight end or defensive tackles no corners when are you looking to draft your first idp player and what position are you targeting i think a good general rule of thumb is that you usually don't want to be the first one to draft idps it's better to be last than to be first. Um, like we talked about, there's just a lot of turnover. And oftentimes the guys that you pick early just aren't gonna work out. Um, but to answer your question, my first thought would be around the sixth or seventh round, maybe the fifth round. And it would primarily be these edge guys, Bosa, Crosby, uh, TJ Watt, you know, the, the names we all know. Um, but alternatively, if say you're in a tackle heavy league that rewards tackles more than sacks, um, then, you know, Roquan and Foyer, those are locked in studs as well. So that goes back to your point earlier about making sure you know your scoring system, making sure you know your your depth of your league and stuff like that, right? Yep, for sure. All right, yeah, it's all it's all, all league dependent, and yeah, uh, just don't just don't overinvest and don't be the first one to to take an IDP. And I and I'm gonna guess 
like you, I'm super guilty of overinvesting. There have been times that like, um, I'm going to age myself here a little bit with the, the players drafted. Like I was all in on Rolando McLean when he came out of Alabama, he went to the then Oakland Raiders. He was like going to be it. And I took him at number four overall in a rookie draft. Um, missed out on a couple guys that I knew I looking back hindsight 2020 should have should have taken but we, we're all guilty of it too like we we kind of get those blinders on and we're like oh this is going to be he's going to be the generational talent and then like we just said before you know 75% of these guys don't return value the following season and even even the for sure guys aren't returning value so who's to say a rookie's going to do that yeah speaking of yeah. Sorry. talking about rookie drafts um even like the very best prospects, like an Aiden Hutchinson or a Will McDonald, these guys generally shouldn't go higher than like the eighth or 10th pick of the rookie draft. Um, generally, like the offense is just going to be much more valuable because it's easier to predict and they're just valued higher on the market as well. And, and- I was going to, that was actually going to be my next question is like, so let's flip it to like, you're, you're in your dynasty league, you're in your rookie draft. When would you take a defensive player? You know, um, again, depending on the scoring format of your league, the depth of your league and those kind of things, does position scarcity or does need on your team influence your draft at all, or should it influence your draft at all? I think it's fine for it to influence your draft. Um, some, but the primary factor should, should be value generally and you know ideally if you if you say say a dn falls to you but you don't need them ideally you would want to trade back and try to get something else but that's not always possible so you might just want to take the best value on the board yeah i've been super um cognizant of that as well lately trying to like you know especially drafting towards the last part of the draft like you said like like eighth ninth tenth pick you know everyone wants that new shiny rookie piece you know like this year it was like a Jack Campbell was kind of going right around that area. And if, if teams were like, Oh, I really want Jack Campbell. And I'm sitting there with the eighth, ninth, 10th pick, you know, like I'm, you know, willing to trade back, like pick up a second round or a second, two years down the road. And maybe, you know, a player off of their team, you know, to boot that would, you know, maybe he is going to have a breakout, like, Hey, throw let's throw in a Bryce Huff and a, a second this later on this year. And then you can have this, you know, Jack Campbell and, you know, Jack Campbell looked like he was going to be coming in the league, biting kneecaps off. He was going to be like the set it and forget it linebacker in Detroit. And we just didn't see it materialize this season. So I, I think that there's a huge learning curve, not only for IDP managers, but there's also the huge curve for IDP um, players in the real NFL, you know, where they, they're going to take some time to get there. And like you said, now, now you can buy back that Jack Campbell maybe at a, a reduced rate because maybe the manager is like, oh, this is terrible. Now, all of a sudden you take that second round pick. Now you get your Jack Campbell back when he's ready for a second year breakout. So yeah, that's a great point. And kind of similar to like Trayvon Walker from a couple of years ago, he goes first overall pick in the NFL draft and he really hasn't been that valuable for IDP yet. Um, maybe this year we'll see. But um, I also think that one, one cheat code to dynasty in general offense and defense is um, just trading those late first round picks for random future firsts. It's one of my one of my favorite things to do. Trade that 109 for a future first. M- maybe it bites you, but most of the time you're going to end up with a good investment there. And who knows? Maybe it gets into like a top five pick. Yeah, and that's like free. That's free money. You know, like we hear about it all the time about you know whatever you can do to better yourself down the road. And in season, you get into the season, all of a sudden you're 
competing for a playoff spot. You need that one final piece to give yourself that edge over everyone else. Hey, I'm going to trade you this, a team that's maybe not doing so well. Hey, your team needs some help. Here's a future first for that guy that puts your team over the edge and makes you the team to beat that season. So that's, that's great advice. That's, that's super sound advice, Evan. So. Yep. Yeah. And don't be afraid to get some draft picks, even on your competitive teams. I think that's a great point you just made. Um, I love having draft picks on my competing teams because then you can go buy whatever you want, whenever you want it. So uh, you can fill holes uh, that like injuries happen, you know, injuries happen all the time. Some pops up, you can just go buy another stud. There's nothing better than that. And, yeah, and it kind of gives you, gives you, you know, some insurance. If your team isn't doing that well, if your uh, competing team ends up, you know, missing the playoffs, well, it gives you something to fall back on. I, I think what you were saying there too, Evan, about just like, just having those pieces to kind of fill in the needs and things like that. And just constantly turning these rosters over, I think is is not only a fun way to play fantasy football, but it, it's the right way to play and to be consistent. And you don't have to have those rebuilding seasons then because you're always just churning your lineup over and always getting youth with the draft picks. You're always turning your roster over on the defensive side. And I just think that that's such an overlooked part of fantasy, especially in the IDP leagues. You just see a lot of teams getting old quick by holding on to those players way too long and they chase the names you know like you dangle out a derwin james right now like you're going to get some you're going to get some pretty decent draft capital back because of the name recognition and as you've seen there's a lot of players that we can find on the waiver wire week in and week out that are going to put up as good of if not better numbers than derwin james but oh boy that that derwin james looks really nice in your starting lineup every week so yep yep but you could also fall off a cliff in one or two years and you're left holding the bag so yep. yeah it's, it's always nice to uh you know just tear down get more assets and you know get yourself more security and i guess the last thing obviously we're a, we're a, an idp website focused on idp so the other thing about this too is use those resources you know there's a lot of managers that will show up at a draft um Love the people that show up with a magazine in their hand. Those are my favorite league mates to have because that's that's free money for, from you. But um, but they're going to show up to the draft. Oh, this guy was taken number one overall. He has to be a dynasty asset. He has to be, you know, like you mentioned the name Trayvon Walker, maybe a better real life NFL player than fantasy right now. But, you know, someone showed up to their draft, didn't do any research, didn't you know, read the things, the articles, the websites, the podcast from the IDP show. They showed up and like, oh, Trayvon Walker is my target. I'm going to take them with an early second. And they left a lot of talent on the board just because they they didn't do the research. So, you know, take some time before your draft, do the research, go to some trusted sites and sources and, you know, reach out. Everyone that I've ever interacted with in the IDP community is fantastic. You know, we just just like to talk football and things like that. So, yep, for sure. Any questions? I'm all my DMs are always open. I love to talk football. That's for sure. Well, Evan, I think that's just going to just about do it for tonight. Um, what are the kind of things that you're working on right now and where can all the good listeners find more of your fantastic work? Um, check out playerprofiler.com. I do dynasty rankings over there. I do uh, weekly rankings during the season, all that kind of stuff. Um, and now I'm starting to get more involved with, with the IDP show behind the scenes too. I'll be working on the, the best ball ADP. We got a few best ball drafts going already. So, uh, if you want to get in some of those, uh, you just uh, message anybody from the IDP show and we'll get you in one. And, and not to plug it any more than you already did, but that's a great way to, if you're just 
really starting to think about making the jump into IDP, there is no better, no safer format than than to do an IDP draft. You know, you get exposed to a lot of names. Um, there's some great sleepers that you're going to be kind of seeing like their name pop up. You're like, I didn't need that, you know, that name. So, you know, you kind of look into it a little bit more like, oh, that's why he was drafted where he was. So it's a it's a very safe fun way to get kind of exposed to IDP. You get a lot of um, names thrown at you. Um, and just the, the the banter that goes back and forth during one of those drafts is a lot of fun too. So definitely. Yeah. Hit any of us up and we'll, we'll get you in a draft. Yes. Yes, we will. And there are several, like, like last year, I think there were over 70 different drafts with players. So yep. plenty, get to plenty of opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the IDP after show. Be sure to join me next time as Jason King and I talk about some of the top performances from the NFL combine. In the meantime, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening and have a great night. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>